0: Welcome you here today, and um, you know, I know a lot of people these days they, they say you know lifes life's of this, life's of that you know and my experience sometimes life can be like a battlefield you know some days it's hard out there you get your uh, your bums kicked out there some days, and some days you're victorious, but it can be tough it can be tough for sure and um, you know if you're here today and you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling like you're Your home is hopeless, if your life is hopeless, if something in your personal life has has got you in a way feeling hopeless, I want you to know that the God that we serve here, the God that we get to know, satisfies every hopeless thought and feeling you can have in your life. You know, my brief 35 years on this earth, I've experienced quite a bit. I've seen suffering and disease and sickness and, and death, and I find that in those places people are reaching and, and, you know, sometimes you realize that God is all that you have. And to even take it a step further, if you think about that, when your life ends, you know, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, that when our life ends and we were to stand before the Lord, now entering into eternity, we would know, especially then, that God is all we have. And I hope that we can also realize, not getting to those places, that God is all we need. And my prayer for all of us that you wouldn't see just an awesome church here today with awesome people, but that you would see a value in an eternal God, that you wouldn't have to get to a place where you realize that he's all you have, that you would realize he's all you need today. And that starts a beautiful relationship it starts a beautiful pursuit of an awesome God that will change your life forever and that's the only thing that will truly change your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ and we have a whole world full of self-help books and uh, exercises and it's a billion dollar industry but you know what how many times have we started a new year and it's a new year same me? You know what I mean? It's only a relationship daily with God that truly changes us. So today, um, I want to just celebrate that. I want to talk about that and I want to celebrate the fact that Jesus changes lives. The title of my message is Viva la Revolution, and, uh, which actually is translated to Long Live the Revolution. Um, a quick definition of a revolution is a quick or sudden change. And uh, the term became most famous in France in the late 1700s when the people rose up and they changed their country from a monarchy to a democratic government. And a revolution happens because there's a recognition of oppression. And there's a recognition that as a group, as a whole, we're heading in a wrong direction. And enough people get together, and they do a complete turnaround. They, they turn, and they, they fight, and they do a complete turnaround, and, and ultimately will change the destiny of a nation if it's successful. You know, the revolution, that is how Jesus Christ transforms lives, is a beautiful thing. And it's really cool that in a revolution is carried out by revolutionaries who they say... Are devoted to liberty. Liberty is a really interesting word. And it means the state of being free. The state of being free. Mark had a beautiful message last week talking about the truth and the truth that sets us free. And that's such a powerful thing. If you have your Bibles with uh, you today, turn to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 31. I'm going to start at cha- uh, verse 31 here. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And We all know this verse. We've all heard this verse, and it's a beautiful verse. And I love how it continues here. You know, he's talking to the Israelites. You know, he's saying, the truth will set you free. And their response here is, but we are descendants of Abraham. They said, we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? That's like somebody saying to us, you know, we're about to celebrate Canada Day. That's like somebody saying, hey, I know a way you can be free. And you're going to say, I live in the freest nation in the world. What are you talking about? I've been free since I was born That's like their reply, right? But Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking about something deeper in us. He says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So, today we know that to truly be free is only when the sun sets you free. So, it's so interesting when we know these truths, we get set free. And, you know, what is the truth ultimately? That there is a God, that He did create everything. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And every Human being can only experience reconciliation with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, who came and bled and died to pay our debt. And because we know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believed in him would not die but have eternal life. As I was preparing for this, I, I saw this awesome verse in Hebrews that we're just going to read up on the screen. It, it always sticks out to me, and it says, Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. This always strikes a chord with me, you know. And so, for example, when we know these truths, they set us free. And I want to show you how. You know, I wonder how many people in the world are afraid of death. You know, that can be a crippling fear to have. No matter what your age, no matter what you go through, that's something that's inevitable for every human being, and it's something that can really affect you. You know, but when we see these verses, like God um, gives us eternal life, that we don't have to be af- afraid of death, that Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. All these truths of the Bible, when we trust them, when we, when, we, when we set our hope in God's word, it frees us from that. It frees us for that. It says, you know what? I don't have to be afraid of death anymore because I know what God says is true and I'm applying it to my mind and my thoughts and I'm free from that thought of death because I know today that if I was not to make it today, if I was to die today, I'd be instantly with God in heaven and my life will carry on. I'll live forever. I'm not afraid. I don't want to. I'm not going to go home and eat a bunch of Doritos and Mountain Dew and take up bungee jumping tomorrow. But... I'm not afraid of that happening, right? And another example of that is, you know, even smaller things, smaller things that affect us, like, like say, unforgiveness, like, say, depression. You know, all these things that we, we wrestle with, you know, when we, when we know God's word, we... we we get in it, and it gets in us, and it sets us free. You know, if we're holding on to unforgiveness, it's such a nasty thing. It just eats at us. That, that poison floats around. But when we choose to obey God's word and say, you know what? I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to for, forgive this person. I'm going to make amends. Man, we get set free from that kind of stuff. And it's a beautiful feeling, and we are free indeed, right? And that's how we use God's Word to be set free from so many things that, that really hold us down, that, that chain us up. And God's, God's will for us is that we would be a free people, that we would be a free people. And it is the truth that sets us free. You know, this historian named Copa, he um, had this to say about revolutions. He said... The actions of the revolutionaries were prescribed by the need to find practical solutions to immediate problems. And, man, it struck me because we live in a world that does the same thing. We live in a whole world that tries to find anything they can to find, um, to find something that's going to fix their immediate problems. Right? They're looking for solutions ...for their immediate problems. But really, if we're honest, none of the stuff the world offers satisfies us like the truth of Jesus Christ does. You know, there's so much out there that is an immediate problem for a human being. Like I said, there's eternity. There's death to consider. There's so much that we all deal with, you know, in our lives. And I think it's so important as a church to be humble. You know, as a people to be humble. I don't know, somewhere along the lines, people who started going to church we, there's, you know, sometimes we pretend that we got it all together, you know, and I'm always reminded of um, the quote that church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints, right, and I think it's so beneficial when we're just honest with each other, like, hey, man, I struggle with stuff, we all struggle with stuff, let's just be real and honest about this, we all have immediate problems in our life that need to be addressed, you know, they need to be addressed, and so, um, that's why it is so important, like the beautiful song says, to build my life on your love, on your truth. You know, We get, we get set free from all this. And, and the world outside is trying every single thing to, to, to fix the pain, to numb the pain, to, to answer the questions that we all have deep down. And it, and it still leaves us empty. And it's because they have not had a Jesus revolution in their life. You know there was a um, an old prophet in the Bible named Jeremiah, and he noticed the same thing he has uh, in chapter eight it, in Jeremiah it says, "You know weeping for sinful Judah and he was just took a step back and he was looking at the condition of his country, and he was weeping it said he was crying out for the condition of their country and and he was a man of God, and he knew God and he knew what knowing god brings and the value of knowing him and he says here in jeremiah 8:18 8, he says my grief is beyond healing my heart is broken listen to the weeping of my people it can be heard across the land has the lord abandoned jerusalem the people asked is her king no longer there Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols, with their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord. The harvest is finished and the summer is gone, the people cried. Yet we are not saved. You know, it's like saying, man, we've worked hard. We got everything we need. We're satisfied in that, but we're not saved. We're we're still empty inside. He says, Jeremiah says, I hurt with the hurt of my people and I mourn and I'm overcome with grief. And this is my favorite part. He says, is there, this translation says, is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? It's a rhetorical thing. He says, is there no God in this nation? Don't they know he is the God who heals? He is the God who makes whole. Don't they know that? I love the translation it says, "Is there no bomb in Gilead?" Everybody's familiar with that. There's no bomb in Gilead, and as I was telling this to my little guy later in the tub, he said, "Look, Daddy, it's the bum of Gilead," and I, I guess that's what you get for being a pastor's kid now. But you know, there is. It's a. It's a beautiful thing. Not that. It's a. It's a. <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. There's, it's the idea of a, a bomb was, was, was a, a soothing thing. And, and it was made out of precious ointments and everything. And you put it on a wound and it, and it healed it. And, it. and it satisfied it, right? And that's what he's, the metaphor he's using for a relationship with, with Christ, you know. And, man, I got to be real with you guys. I've been there. I've been down in Murray, Mucky Pits. And I've been hurting and I've been lost. And for one, I've, I've experienced the value of knowing Christ in my own personal life. You know, I've been pulled out of those pits. I've been empty and I've been filled with God's love and his joy. And I really could not imagine my life without knowing him, you know, and it's to the point and, and, you know, fortunately, in a way, having gone through things in my life, coming to the point where i've realized that god is all i have i i realize god is all i need and and again my prayer is that we would see that that he is all we need and like paul said in in one of his epistles that even if i'm in jail even if i have nothing i've learned to be content with just knowing him it's a beautiful thing and and when you know god the the you got everything. You know, you can be having the, the worst day ever, but knowing him is, is everything. You know, people ask me from time to time, you know, how can I go deeper? You know, I want to go deeper in this. And, um, you know, I often think about that. And I think, you know, like, what's that all about? How are we getting deeper? And, you know, I think there's an answer to that. And I think it is yes and that we're meant to. And we're called to. But I think the rub, if you will, on that is that when we hear these messages, we hear God's truth, possibly for even years. We we sit here and um, we don't stop and step back and really consider where we're at. And I know it's so important to sometimes stand in front of the mirror and do an honest assessment of ourselves and say, man, where am I at? And more importantly, sometimes, who do I want to be? You know, I've looked at myself in the mirror so many times and said, man, who do I want to be? And it's such an important thing. And the Bible in the book of James says, reading God's word is like a mirror. And when we read God's word, we see how God sees us. And we see where we're at with him. And it's such a clear and good picture for us to know that, A, we're loved by a heavenly father that will never change You know, I saw a cool cool word the other day, and it was omnibenevolent. Omnibenevolent. It's one of the characteristics of God, which means he is always loving, always loving with, with a passionate love that never changes, that never changes. Just a quick free side note here. And so it's so important to be humble and honest and to take a good look at who we really are. And I had this great conversation with a guy last week. And uh, he said, You know, for years I've been living like I'm driving in the car and Jesus is in the back seat. He's been in the back seat for years and I've never given him the keys. I've never handed up the keys. I want Jesus in my life. I want to, you know, kind of be a, him to be a part of my life, but I've never let him drive. And I feel like that fella answered the question of how we go deeper in this, how we move closer to the Lord. We need to hand up the keys and say, okay, I've been doing this on my own for far too long now. And I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to do it your way, Lord. And God, he is so patient with us. He is so loving towards us. He will wait until we're ready and, and ultimately um, as we'll, we'll see in a bit, I hope we come to our senses and we say, okay, enough is enough. I'm ready for you to be Lord of my life. I'm ready to give you my all, and, and, I'm, and I'm ready to do it. And the way we give up the keys to our life is through obedience. It's through obedience. You know, uh, we were chatting with our, with our youth, and I was saying that so often the Christian walk is a step at a time. And when you take a step, it's in obedience. You know, especially in my life, I felt, Zach, do this. And I say, okay, yes, Lord. Zach, stop listening to this. Okay, yes, Lord. Zach, stop watching this. Yes, Lord. And every step of my Christian walk is a walk of obedience. And the more obedient I am to Christ, the closer I feel to him, the more he has his way in my life. And you know what? He is the master designer. He is the is, um the the molder and we are the clay and he makes something beautiful out of our lives um, when we do that and so you know so often we're there right we say you know I still want to drive I still want to make my stops but I'll keep Jesus in the back seat and without making a Carrie Underwood reference about taking the wheel I just want to encourage us to give up those keys and, and lay it down and say you know what. Let's do this, God. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to stop struggling on my own. I'm ready for you to have your way in my life. Um, There is a movie uh, recently out called The Jesus Revolution, and uh, I have not seen it, so I'm not going to say much about it, but uh, my wife showed me this interview from uh, Alyssa Childers, and her dad was um, being interviewed, and her dad was actually at the original church in the band when the revolution was taking place when that movie was happening they called it a awesome revival these young people were coming to church are being saved and their lives are being changed and this man was really cool and he said excuse me he said i want people to get one thing straight that the music was awesome the music was great and it was it, yeah it was attracting people and it was it was really cool but that's not what caused the revolution in that place. The revolution was that every night the pastor there was preaching the word of God. And people were coming and gathering and listening. And they were living it out. They were walking it out. And he said that is what caused the revival there. That's what caused the change. And that's what causes a revolution. is getting into God's word, knowing God's word, and, and, and living it out. Letting God have your way, let, letting God have His way in your life, right? And it was such a beautiful thing, you know, to see all those young people saved, and and that's that's how it was, right? And so, a revolution in this regard can equal restoration. Restoration is a beautiful word, and it's something that God does in each of our lives. Man, we're good at we're good at falling away we're good at messing up the old song says prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love we're just built that way you know there's there's something going on in us that's pulling us back and forth and i would just ask you know are you in need of a a, a restoration today are you in need of a revolution today and i want us to remember something that god will never force anything on you He will never force you anywhere. He'll never pull you, dragging and and kicking and screaming, you know. But in our context today of a revolution, you know, typically that's a forceful change of government. And that's what our lives need, is a change of government, is a change of leadership in our lives, you know, when Jesus comes into your life as Lord, he satisfies you on such a deep level. He, he heals your deepest wounds. But we have to surrender. We have to raise our white flag and say, okay, I've done it my way for far too long now. God, would you come and, and have your way? And we need to recognize that there is something in us that fights this, that, that pulls away. We do read in the Bible that there is a spiritual war going on with outside powers not not necessarily in us but there's something in us the bible calls the flesh that that is fighting what god wants to do in our life and so there's a bit of a war going on inside us there's an eternal an internal battle being fought we're just going to look at galatians five seventeen. if you have your bibles go ahead and turn there we're going to stay there just for a minute So Galatians 5, 17, starting uh, verse 17. We got up on the screen if, if you're following there. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And he gives us a list here. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. You know, there's a couple lists like this in the New Testament regarding stuff like this. And they're pretty complete lists, I think. You know, I'm sure we could squeeze in a couple anymore these days. But they're pretty complete. And honestly, I'm a little encouraged by that. Because if you think about it, in a world with almost 8 billion people... There's only so many things that we struggle with. There's only so many things that we all have to deal with. And if we're honest, it, it will you know, unify us in knowing like, hey, you know, we're all kind of messing, dealing with the same stuff. We've all got to work through the same type stuff together. We're in this together, right? It's kind of encouraging uh, to me anyway. So he says, let me tell you again, as I've done before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control does anybody know that song love joy peace patience goodness. okay tough crowd okay good stuff um there's no law against these things and so you know it's just so important for us to to look at man there is something inside us that needs to be addressed It needs to be addressed, you know, and and that thing inside of us is like a rebel. It's like a rebel. It does not want to obey God. Even that word obedience sometimes can, right, can really just just sound terrible, right? I want to do what I want to do. And the Bible teaches that there's really a rebel in all of us. And um, it's so interesting to me that in Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus died a rebel's death on the cross he died a rebel's death on the cross you know and we know that when Jesus hung on that cross and he died it was our place it was our place that he did that that we could break free of sin now and have a relationship with God now and for eternity right one writer put it like this he said, you and I were prisoners held under the bondage of sin. We had no power to overcome the influence of sin. We were slaves to the instinct of sin. Sin was our ruler, and it held us captive. In the days of living before Christ, whatever sin wanted, sin got. This doesn't mean you're outliving living a wild lifestyle, though it could It simply means the primary authority of your life was your sinful nature. It was in control. And I don't know if that resonates with you, but it definitely resonated with me. And so guess what we have to do with that rebel? Guess what we have to do in verse 24 of Galatians? He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross excuse me, and crucified them there, and crucified them there. You know, that's a pretty intense thought, you know, but that's the, you know, the Bible teaches to have the mind of Christ, you know, and when we're battling against these desires in our lives, different things that we know should not be there, man, our attitude towards that is, you know what, I'm dead to that stuff. I'm dead. That's been nailed up on the cross. And that stuff I shouldn't be listening to, that stuff I shouldn't be watching, those, those essentially evil desires I'm having, I'm dead to that stuff. I'm dead to that stuff, and I'm free from that stuff. And that is the power of knowing Jesus and the power of knowing his word. But again, he's not going to force us to do that stuff. He's not going to force us. You know, in that kind of regard, God's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. In Revelation, he gives us a picture that he stands on the, at the door, and he knocks. He knocks patiently, and, and he invites us. He says, hey, let me come in and sup with you and have lunch with you, get to know you. Let's have a relationship. And that one picture I showed here the one day is a beautiful picture of it. There's no doorknob even on that door because the doorknob is on the inside of that door. It's only the person in there that can open that door to Christ. Right? He never forces us. And as we wind down, I want to look at one of my favorite stories, um, The Prodigal Son. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, I'm just going to jump in at Luke 15, 17. It's going to be up on the screen as well. Just some key things that I want to, uh, to look at. You know, at this point, if you're unfamiliar with this story, The Prodigal Son, he asked for his dad's inheritance early, and he just went out and lived a wild lifestyle. He, he lost everything. A lot of bad decisions, and he ended up um, feeding pigs, which to a Jewish person, it really doesn't get much lower uh, than that. And he was really rock bottom at this point. And um, such a cool thing that uh, I want to point out here. said that when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He said to, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, right? And um, some things I wanted to point out is that, you know, when he, this prodigal son, he came to his senses. He came to his senses. Man, and he just said to himself, he's like, man, where am I at? How have I gotten here? You know, I, I had a chance to live with my father, and I seen how good it was. Man, I got to get back there. This is terrible. It has not worked out for me. And that's so um, consistent with a lifestyle of sin. It seems so promising. It seems so great when we get there. It's just so empty, so meaningless. And uh, I love this. He said, um, you know, he said that I will. He said, I will. And, you know, I really believe with all my heart that there is a role that we play in coming to the Lord. You know, it's called repentance. It's when we turn when we turn away from the way we've been going and it's a revolution it's a full turn we change directions and I love how he said that he said I will and it's so cool he, he thought of something nice to say to his father right he said you know I've sinned against you in heaven and everything he's probably thinking that's a good idea but when he when his father seen him coming from far off he just ran out he ran out and kissed him and hugged him he said welcome home <laughs> The son said the thing, the father didn't even care. He said, just call the servants, call the servants. I'm just so happy that my son is back. And that's a message for all of us today, no matter where we're at, no matter what's happened in our life or, or how much our devotional life has, has slipped away. No, no matter any of that stuff, when we turn at any time and start making our way back to him, he sees us coming from far off, and he's running, and he's hugging us and kissing us, and, and he's reminding us that he, we are his son or we are his daughter. He said, yeah, you are in my family, and that's never going to change. Finally, I just want to look at Acts 2.38 uh, and... Um, a really cool verse I just uh, came across. Anybody reading the Book of Acts this month? Woo! Awesome, awesome. Yep, still charging away. Dennis, <laughs> me and Dennis keep spurring each other. We're going. He's pretty much just spurring me. But anyways, we're 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 getting there. And so uh, Peter replied. He said, "Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins." And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. Those far away people, that's us. And all who have been called by the Lord our God. I love this part. It says, Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners save yourselves from this crooked generation. And that same message is for us today save yourself from this crooked generation. Stop trying to be a part of the world. This world is is heading downward fast. He's saying save yourself, break free, repent, turn, make a full turn, make your way back to the Father. Make your way back to to having right relationship with God and seeking him and like and like Mark said this morning, you know, just to my prayer would be that I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That that would be our attitude and that would be our desire, remembering our mission that we would find Christ every day. Like a mission that we're on. It's a mission. It's a purpose. Just in finishing, something really cool I noticed in this revolution stuff that this, uh, before they stormed Bastille in France, um, something called a convocation was formed. And I wasn't sure what that word meant, so I looked it up. And convocation um, means a, a group of people who were formally assembled for a special purpose. And it comes from the Greek word ekklesia. Which is familiar to us in church because that's the same word that we get church from. And it's so important that we know that we are on a mission in this world. And when we find community, we look at people knowing that these are eternal people. And that at the end of their life, they're going to go one way or another. And that being on this mission is one of the most important things, aside from knowing Christ, that we can do. And the only way that we're going to be victorious over darkness and sin in this life is having God at the head of our lives, is handing him the keys and say, God, not your will, but my will is to pursuing him, putting all the junk aside and valuing that pursuit of him, that relationship so much. You know, remembering that revolution, that revival that took place at that church in the 70s. They didn't care what was on TV that night. They didn't care what game was on. They were there. They were reading the word. They were getting into the word. They were letting it transform their life. And tonight, I just want to assess, you know, all of us, we should think where we're at. Are we doing that enough? Are we experiencing something called intimacy with God when it's just him and us talking, reading, and spending time together? You know, if you're not in a Bible study, I would encourage you to find a Bible study and get into one, get into a men's group, get into a women's group. If, if, um, if you're looking for one, please talk to Mark or myself and, and, and we'll get you in one. You know, and it's, it's so important to, to realize that we are on a mission, that time is flying by and to really value what's most important in this life. So I just want to finish by saying Viva the, rev- <laughs> Viva the Revolution. Long live this revolution of Jesus transforming lives. May it continue. May we, may we experience it. May we see it happening in those all around us. And may God be seated in his rightful place in our hearts. And may it continue in this church and in this community and in this country. Let's pray. God, we just uh, come humbly before you uh, today, Father. We thank you, God, um, for the gift of your love. We thank you for the gift of knowing you, God. And uh, we thank you that your word says that while we were your enemy, God, while we were yet sinners, that you died for us. God, we thank you that um, you have a heart for the lost, that your word says that um, you will that no one would be lost, God. And I pray that we get that heart as well, Lord, that we would... Um, consider what we're doing with our time, with our with our actions, with our words, God. Uh, that we would we would honestly consider the, the life we're living, God. Something so powerful about living a life devoted to you, God. And would you help us in that, Lord? Would you um, give us the right people in our lives, God? Would you would you um, give us your eyes, God, to see what's most important? What's most important to spend our time on, God? And uh, we just thank you, God, for being trustworthy, God. We thank you for holding it all together, God, that we can, we can rely on you and that we can rest in you, God. And uh, God, I just pray for each one here that you would continue to do a mighty work in their hearts, God, that we would um, all experience the joy of knowing you and um, all the riches that that brings, God. So we just thank you, Lord, and uh, bless each one as they go. In Jesus' name, amen.